In this episode, learn the different perspectives of OT and IT. Did you know that soon 75% of all of your company's data will be processed outside the data center? Then can you believe machine learning identifying if you have the right PPE? gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get into today's guest, please, please, please do me a favor, leave me a review. This is a new show and it's the number one way you can help this show and our seven other oil and gas podcasts because it allows people to see which shows get good high star ratings so they know it's worth listening to. And if you think this show is worth listening to, which I hope you do, please leave me a review. And then before we get to our guests, I want a big shout out to Nutanix, a sponsor of the show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale on-prem, and in the cloud, these are the people you want to talk to. And speaking of Nutanix, I'm sitting here with Sajin and Royhit. How are y'all doing today? Great. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love having you on here because you're getting ready to talk about something that is passionate to me, which literally is technology, but not IT net technology, operational technology. And in the oil and gas industry, we're making this transition where IT and OT now are coming together. And that's really what we're going to kind of talk about today. So my, my first question is, when you think of the separation between IT and OT, how would you describe it to somebody that's not technical? What is IT and what is OT? That's a great question. Let me start with the IT side of it, right? So IT for me implies the organization that's responsible for all the informational systems that Uh, get used in an organization. So these are systems that are supporting HR, they're supporting engineering, they're supporting various different groups on the business unit side. But these are, again, the informational systems that are used for the purposes of conducting business. So they could be responsible for end-user computing or the tools that get used on the day-to-day basis by end-users. It could be also the technology that's being used by organizations to collect money, right? So for example, all the ERP systems or HR system. And then on the flip side, I would say OT are the organizations that are involved more on the business side of it. So they're looking at embedded systems that are throughout an organization tied to things like the process control systems or the monitoring systems associated with that. Traditionally, they've been a separate organization. You know, my background, this is Sachin, by the way, my background is that I actually came from the OT side of the world where I did a lot of my graduate work there And typically, it was a separate organization with their own practices and their own IT systems in that sense. So in a way, there were traditionally two separate organizations, one focused more on the informational systems associated with the organization, and then the other tied to more the embedded systems. Rohit, anything you want to add? Yeah, I'd love to add a a little bit more along the line that Sachin is talking about. And it's really that... IT and OT convergence that's happening and, you know, remembering the different perspectives that IT and OT teams and their priorities and how they really are really different where you have data as key, confidentiality, security. These are all things that are important for IT systems. And then OT, like Sachin was pointing out, they have different priorities in terms of keeping, keeping everything functioning. They don't want to patch things. They don't want to take it down. And we understand that, right? But there are business benefits to bringing them together. And it's about optimizing the business processes, enhancing information for better decisions, 
all with the goals of reducing costs and, and lowering risk. There are a lot of technical benefits as well, but we'll get into yeah, and so you know, if some of our audience obviously is probably working for an oil and gas company, maybe not working for one of the super majors, but a mid-sized, big independent operator or something, and they and they feel and they see and they realize there's a need for this convergence. Like, what's some of the top things that they need to be thinking about as they go down this path of converging IT and OT? So, Mark, you brought up a really good point. Let me first address one point that you made that I wanna I wanna make sure we we clarify. So, first and foremost, IT and OT are converging. That is a, a fact, right? I mean, a lot of people say, hey, it's it's IT is sitting on its own kind of realm with focus on the informational systems. As Rohit mentioned, there's a focus on privacy and security, but it's more tied to the data and the information side of it versus OT is more process-oriented, right? Actual revenue generation or, or forward-looking investments tied to that. But what happened traditionally, Mark, was that since OT kind of had their own path, they had essentially a shadow organization for IT. And that basically was a challenge because they had to basically maintain a lot of the skill sets that were already present in the IT side of it. And that meant that, you know, they had their separate networks, etc. And so it wasn't uncommon, again, to see an IT organization almost isolated or OT organization isolated from the IT side of it. And, you know, networking was a very different story. For example, OT teams used to rely a lot more on sneakernet, especially in the oil and gas space, where they're collecting gobs and gobs of data. And essentially, to put that data somewhere where they could process it, they would literally physically carry the data over, right? And and the convergence is changing that. And I think there are a couple of trends here, and I'm going to let Rohit kind of talk through IoT in a second as a way to kind of converge it. But that convergence, to me, represents the evolution of both organizations, one, acknowledging each other's function to IT's ability to now honestly handle a lot of the, the challenges and the requirements that OT teams throw at them, right? Because that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm not going to name the name of the company, but it's one of the largest oil and gas companies on the planet. And a couple of years ago, I had a business unit was showing me this tool they had purchased. And it, was, it had to do with predicting failures of platforms in, in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was really cool. And I asked him, where was it? And the guy goes, well, it's on my laptop. I go, no, really, where is it? He goes, well, it's sitting in Amazon Web Services. And I go, your IT lets you put that on AWS? They go, no, we didn't call IT. I go, oh my God, <laughs> do you know the whole, you just punch in your own security? So to your point, right, we need this convergence to happen because there's a lot of skill sets such as cybersecurity that's a strong point on the IT side. But when the business starts standing up stuff, they don't always think of things that are important to the organization. So that's that's a perfect example. And you're absolutely right. In oil and gas, it's pretty prevalent and we need to fix this. And, and we're going down yeah, that right yeah. route. And you mentioned security. I mean, so security risks and safety and all of that are huge deals from an OT perspective, right? I mean, we've seen this time and again where viruses have affected OT's control systems across the gamut, right? In the energy sector, potentially even in the oil and gas sector. So IT can kind of provide that security and that framework associated with that. One other thing that has come up, which is also very, very important, is the concept of unified management. As a matter of fact, I'm going to actually give a stat here that came from 451 from their digital pulse survey in 2019, where basically there was a discussion around unified management. Now, this is, again, applicable to all the different systems that get used in there. And 49% of the respondents, there's about 870 or so folks that took the survey from 451, and 49% of them said that the importance that the unified management 
was a very important investment strategy and system for them. And that included systems that were covering not only the on-prem and cloud, but also some of the OT side of things as well. So that was actually a big deal. And matter of fact, it came up that EMEA respondents were even more aggressive and calling that very important. So again, this is, this is again another area in addition to the security side of it is this concept of unified management. Yeah. Well, from a culture point of view, though, for years, IT and oil and gas have wanted to been brought to the table as a business partner. And quite frankly, they, they haven't done a real good job of it. But the moment they start ter- touching operational efficiencies, operational data, they will, of course, be brought to the table as a business partner. So even from a cultural point of view, this is going to help. That convergence is going to help absolutely, the IT organization. Absolutely. And it starts with some of the, I mean, some of the joint planning, some of those investments around security, management so that there's essentially a convergence in the the standard operating procedures, for example, on that front. And Mark, there's one other thing, and I want to pull Rohit into the conversation to answer this one, right? Another place where they're playing together has been in the area of IoT specifically. I know, Mark, we've talked about this in the prep calls as, as a function of where you know, oil and gas industry is investing. So Rohit, why don't you share your thoughts there? Yeah, so one thing that we've seen across the industry is that there's been this revolution of ages, right? There's been the industry 1.0 with like mechanical production, you know, water, steam, all that stuff. And then industry 2.0 with like electricity, mass production, and 3.0 with starting bringing automation. And we're, you know, in 4.0 where you have IoT and intelligent productions now. And what we're seeing is the proliferation of data sources included, including sensors that are not just added to finished products, but really embedded in materials for goods. So for for instance, you know, we, we've got examples where we've seen sensors embedded into, you know, material used in manufacturing companies, a lot, you know, a lot of sensors being embedded where they're generating massive amounts of data. In addition to that data being generated from devices and machines that are an overlay of data coming from transactions and processes. Some of that data is existing before industry 4.0 became a page, but What's different now is it's actually doing something with that data. And that something turns into these new business opportunities we're talking about. And that's really where you're going to start to see IoT become something, where you're taking all this data generated from the edge, from these sensors into an edge, and you'll see convergence happening between those OT systems. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty amazing to think that, you know, my industry's always been a big data industry. Even if it was paper mud logs, still big data and depending on who you believe, anywhere between 75 and 85% of that data is not used for anything. But that's changing, and it has to change because we have to drive efficiencies throughout the industry. And things like IoT or Internet of Things, you're right. So we're now we're starting to get to the point there, and it's kind of embarrassing. We're to get to the point that automotive got to 10 years ago where you, we actually can do things like just-in-time delivery of, of vital parts, right? When the vendors, vendors' systems understand that we're about to run out of X, and then it ships it just in time, so then you don't have to the legacy warehousing and stuff and all that just drives efficiencies but that internet of things and that big data set that that it it generates has to be processed and that's actually one of the things that the other part of this is you know on the ot side house being able to process and manipulate that data so instead of getting the 97 things you don't need you get the three things you need to make good business yeah absolutely matter of fact mark if i can share some other research data here everyone knows gartner right like 451 they work very closely with organizations across the board and kind of specific to the data side of things, they basically said that 
you know, traditionally in an enterprise, you know, a small percentage of the data used to be generated outside of a, a data center, right? This is the the sensors, like you pointed out, right, that, that are facilitating just-in-time delivery. But that is changing. So they, they're predicting, again, this is research from 2017, but it has been revised since, is that by 2025, they're predicting that over 75% of the data generated by these enterprises will be processed outside of the data center or, or you know, consumed and used outside of the data center. Now, from an IT's perspective, that's important because, again, they have to maintain the security like you pointed out. That means that they have to get involved in these initiatives, for example, around just-in-time delivery, right, and looking at parts or looking at processing of the data that is sitting at the edge, like, for example, the, the concept of edge inference. So these are things, again, that require that convergence between the two. And by the way, IT systems are the best suited for doing this processing because, again, they know how to deal with the lots of data and to deliver high, high uptime in that sense. Oh, no, absolutely. You, you let Now you got me saying absolutely all the time. That's funny. But, you know, from an IT's point of view, this is their bread and butter, right? Uh, networking, storage, scale, bandwidth, routing, switching, all that sort of This is what they do day in and day out, which is not always the case on the OT side of the house. But when these two groups come together, you create magical things such as real impactful business metrics and the ability to make sound business decisions based upon that data that just before you couldn't really use absolutely. for anything. Yeah. One other, one other point point to keep in mind is, you know, again, pulling in some, some data from 451, where they talk about data protection and security as the most challenging aspects of workload management. And, you know, when, you know, if you really think about it, data is no longer just collected and you know, sent to the data center for eventual analysis, like, like we're all talking about here, right? What we want to do is we want to make those split second decisions at those drilling sites, right? At the offshore well, and the idea is to predict what's going to happen because we all know those uh, those cost hundreds of millions of dollars to operate, and any information you can you know garner in real time has to be done at that site because those oil those oil rigs are connected cell links and they typically drop in and out. So how do you actually get you know any mass amounts of data over to you know core data center? But, but yeah, and we we talked. You, you brushed on something that's actually really big. So we, we brushed upon the fact that the way that data is analyzed is changing. Things such as edge computing, right, where the the processing's done before it hits the data center, and then the exceptions or the rules that you write allow that little bit of data that's important out from the edge computing back to to wherever it needs to go, whether it's an alert or you know doing some big data analytics or all that sort of thing. But the thing that people miss is that that same type of system also increases worker safety, right? So when the machine is looking for a kick, when the machine is going, hey, the pressure's getting too high, the temperature's getting too much, or the machine is going, hey, we had a man that walked into this facility and he hasn't walked out yet and he, sh- and he should have walked out by now. Then they can make instant decisions and then alert the right people instead of waiting for people to figure that sort of stuff out. People aren't really good at looking at hundreds of thousands of data streams a minute and finding the exceptions. And yet when you do this with things like edge computing and IoT and cloud computing, you now in oil and gas industry can make things safer, which is one of the biggest metrics, driving metrics Absolutely. in this industry. Absolutely. Yeah, just to add on that, it's really funny because we were talking, you know, to some customers at a couple conferences this year, one in one in Dallas, and a lot of the customers were, were saying, "Hey, like, can you improve the workplace safety?" And the idea was for us to be able to detect if they're, you know, using image analytics if they're wearing the right safety gear. And the whole goal is for improving that safety, and it's not really for monitoring. So a lot of people kind of get confused with 
you know, big brother type scenarios. And that's not the goal here. The goal here right. is to really drive better safety in the environment so that, you know, everybody has a, a great place to work. That's interesting. So was this just an academic conversation or did you go down the route and actually no, start so working these are, on a solution? Yeah, these are real solutions. So we're, we're working with, you know, companies to actually build AI solutions where we can actually take you know, camera data and start to detect if people are wearing hard hats, safety glasses, the right jackets, the right shoes. And with the goal, again, of just making sure that people are, are safe in their environment. That is so cool. So literally that personal protective equipment is called PPE. The ability to analyze that from video or from pictures, and then I'm guessing it's probably processed at the edge. And then like I talked about just a minute ago, if there's an exception, if somebody doesn't have the right ear protection or whatever, somebody gets alerted, to your point, not to get somebody in trouble, but to make sure that man or woman is safe on the job. The big thing that we talked to a lot of these customers, and maybe you know, there were some are end users as well, is the fact that they're looking for solutions where you can do multiple things, right? So one one issue, one issue was talking about how you can take data from these sensors on the drills. One issue is like this workplace safety, all on a single solution. And the idea is that you can constantly adapt as your needs change, and that's really important. Yeah. Well, actually, you brought up a great point. So this world of the convergence of IT and OT is not static. It's not like we're going to get it done next Wednesday and we're done with it. It will constantly change because the industry's changing, the technology's changing. So you have to be fluid and dynamic. And the old way of doing, especially enterprise-level technology and oil and gas, was the opposite of fluid and dynamic, right? And and we have to go there. And we're going there. And the companies that get there that can do it are going to pull way yeah. ahead of the companies yeah, that can't. And, and I mean, I want to I wanna take a slight tangent if you can allow me to talk a little bit about the technologies associated with these convergence, right? If, if I can do so. Oh, this is the tech show. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Rohit talked a little bit about the concept of using AI and edge inference. So I think it's important to kind of spell out a few terms for our listeners. So first, I would definitely want to specify the concept of AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, etc. And in this kind of sphere of applications, there are you know, workloads that you use to train or there are applications or training applications that are used to train models or create models that are essentially you know, ways to identify you know, things like you know, hard hats or safety glasses or boots or gloves, et cetera, right? So those are kind of one category of applications, these training applications, right? Now, in a traditional sense, we never had and machine learning and a deep learning type workload in the OT side of it. But now what's happening is IT is providing OT with this burst capability to to spin up workloads in a cloud, right? And that could be a private cloud hosted with a service provider. It could be a public cloud, et cetera. And the idea is that, you know, by by giving them access to this burst capability, OT experts and, and subject matter experts in OT can spin up these, you know, training workloads to train models, right? So that's the first technology. The second technology that I wanted to point out as a part of this is what we call the edge technology. Now, I remember I mentioned earlier this common management framework between IT and OT and how folks were really prioritizing this across the world. This is where the edge comes into play. So edge for us means anything that's sitting outside of the data center, practically at the edge of where IT is being consumed, right? And so think of this as a sensor system or a camera and, and some compute tied to that camera sitting at the kind of drill, drill site location where you're looking at the different parameters out there, et cetera. And this is where 
a lot of the models that were developed in the first scenario with the cloud are being deployed and actually being put into practice. So for example, you could have what is essentially known as an edge inference application where they are processing in real time a lot of the data that's generated by the camera. And by the way, this is not small amounts of data. We're talking about essentially 4K cameras or 8K cameras or multiple 4K cameras, basically stitching together an image of that workplace. And then the edge system, which is essentially a computer that is managed centrally through this unified platform, is essentially now looking at running these work, these inference applications to identify different workloads. So it's doing object recognition on the fly, et cetera. Again, the application is the expertise of the OT team, but the actual delivery of that application could be through a container or an application in general, the models itself. Those are things that IT gets involved with. So this is, again, a good example of that convergence where technologies and, and, and application sets involving AI, ML, deep learning, et cetera, are coming are bringing IT and OT together. Yeah, no, this is a, a perfect a perfect example of that. It's that it's I'm laughing a little bit because if you would have told me 10 or 15 years ago that I'd have a guy that was a, a Cisco certified expert talking about recognizing hard hats on a drill site, I would have told you you're crazy. But that's where we're going with this. And it's it's awesome for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to add a couple more examples from some of these conferences that, uh, that I've seen is that a lot of folks also don't want to disrupt their Right. They're really keen. These are my production environments. We need to make sure that they're running. They're going to constantly, you know, be up. And one of the big things for us is one is, you know, thinking about how you modernize applications, right? Taking some legacy applications and putting them on a modern infrastructure. That's really important. And then being able to run these new type of applications we're talking about alongside them. So imagine now you can run these modern application, these legacy applications next to native cloud cloud native type applications and like what Sachin was talking about where you have these containers and things running alongside these VMs, that's pretty explosive for them because what we can do is we can actually just start to improve these systems on the back end and then we can think about, hey, like let's introduce how we can interact with with people at the edge. And it's more about bringing in these alerting, monitoring type situations and then further down the digital transformation journey We'll do something a little bit more uh, drastic, but the idea is not to not to start with those you know use cases where you're you're thinking about, hey, this is going to disrupt my environment. Yeah, no, this is this is great because in, in my industry, legacy systems run a lot of the business, right? And you don't want to you don't want to stop anything because when you stop anything, you stop production. When you stop production, you stop making money. The other thing is is that a lot of the legacy systems have been proven, right? And so it minimizes risk as far as bringing something else something else new in. But it's so cool the fact that y'all can help companies run and the legacy systems and really you kind of modernize the legacy system without forklifting anything. You're not, you're not bringing a new software, new hardware, anything. You're, you're, you're letting them run their legacy systems along with whatever the future brings. That is really cool. Yes, Mark. And, and if Mark, if I, I was going to say, absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually keeping track of how many I, times that's I'm why I laughed. I think I'm hit, hit like seven now in this, this 20 minute period. But Mark, if I can actually go back and expand on what you just said, right. I want to walk through one scenario if I may. Yeah. No, this is perfect because we get close to winding down. So let's actually end this thing with a real business scenario. Yeah. So we have customers that essentially run their business critical application on Nutanix, right? This could be an ERP system, et cetera, that is running on us. And again, from a Nutanix perspective, we deliver 
infrastructure, right? So we deliver enterprise IT infrastructure that allows customers to run their applications. So we're talking about customers using us for workloads like BDI, or we're using us for workloads like business critical applications like ERP or CRM, et cetera. And I also mentioned earlier that, you know, there are technologies that exist in the edge. So Nutanix also delivers a platform for the edge, again, providing that unified management capability in a secure fashion in that sense. So some customers of ours are using us for the edge and they're using it for the purposes of doing data collection. They're using it for edge inference to look at things like the, you know, one typical scenario could be in a warehouse where sensors collecting how many pallets of goods have arrived and shipped and and what are those goods, et cetera. And then in real time, updating the ERP system and tracking system on the back end with all that data. So the application itself had ways to do it. In the past, it used to be maybe a manual sensor or, or a manual scan of, of, of a pallet where there was human entry of where that pallet is and whatnot. And so it exposed it to some sort of a human error. But now we're actually bringing OT technologies in to actually automate that front-end data collection using things like you know edge inference and ML and and you know object recognition, and then automatically using that data and pushing that data back into the same legacy stack or the uh, traditional stack of applications. So that has, in a way, automated a lot of the front end while keeping that core steady. The other part that has actually come up quite a bit with these organizations is we actually are accelerating how the time to market with new features, right? So we have, again, tools on the back end, and this is, again, applicable both to the IT and the OT, and more specifically, the application teams, where we're giving them a platform that simplifies the test and dev side of things. So we actually give them the ability to create developer environments with ease, whether it's dealing with databases or just traditional code, et cetera. And by doing so, we can speed up the test and dev cycles for customers, and so they don't have to worry about infrastructure, right? And that's the big thing that Nutanix is known for. We make infrastructure invisible. So if I were to summarize this in 30 seconds or even less, we actually allow our customers to run their enterprise applications in a much more efficient manner. We simplify and accelerate test and dev environments and test and dev processes so that customers can develop code quicker. And we also help them deploy and bring the value of IT and the value of AI ML to the edge in a very elegant fashion and scale. And and by doing all of this, we're helping simplify and converge IT and OT. Yeah, no, this is wonderful stuff. I could talk to y'all for hours. Unfortunately, we have a time limit. A couple of things. So first thing is, this is product review time. Please, people, don't send me heavy steel things to pro- to review. This is all gadgety type of stuff. It's really nice that Lynx has sent me this uh, tri-band home mesh Wi-Fi system. It's called a VLOP, and it, I set it up in my new house, and it is really cool. It literally has its own radio, and the different nodes talk to each other, and they, they distribute the Wi-Fi signal up and down. So I literally have a 300 megabit circuit coming into my house and I now have 300 megabits in everywhere in my house including outside so big shout out to Linksys if you have trouble with a bandwidth in your house or your office go check this thing out it's really simple to set up it works very well it's foolproof a lot of good security you can even set limit times for your kids which I'm sure my 14 year old son would not be too happy with but the links in the show notes next thing you hear me talk about the street team it's our volunteer group if you want to help us join our street team if you're in your local geography you get to be 
part of our press team when we're there for conferences, get some really cool swag. And all we really ask you for is a little bit of work a week with our social. And then BCD Travel, people, we just realized that for the last couple of months, we had the wrong link in there. So we have now fixed that. So BCD Travel is our travel provider choice to make our oil and gas traveling life easier. And now that we fixed the link, you can go get your free cup of coffee, which actually, Sasha and Rohit, y'all can actually re- go get that free cup of coffee. But what you can't do is register for the giveaway because it's your company giving it away. So Nutanix enables IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid clouds, plus everything you heard Sachin say dead on. And they're doing us a favor and they're giving our listeners a chance to win this really cool JBL4 Flip Bluetooth speaker. It is awesome. I have one, not from Nutanix, but I have one just like this. Go to the show notes, click enter, and we give away one a week. A big shout out to them for taking care of our listeners. And then while you're online trying to win this JBL Flip 4 speaker, go ahead and go to the website, allgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. That's how we let you know we're doing cool stuff. And then join the LinkedIn group. My marketing people have grown our LinkedIn group. We're almost 30,000 followers, which is insane. So if you want to help us push it 40, go join. So real quick, we talked about Nutanix, the links in the show note, but if people wanted to learn more about y'all two personally, I'm guessing LinkedIn is probably the best place to go. Yeah, LinkedIn is great. You can reach out to the Nutanix group over there, or you can connect with Rohit Goyal and myself, Sachin Cheda, on there. We definitely would love to talk to you. Another place you could go, Mark, is go to the Nutanix site www.nutanix, N-U-T-A-N-I-X.com. Yep, and we'll put links and all that in the show notes, people, so you don't have to be writing down. You just click on it. So guys, this has been really cool. We're going to have to get you back on the show because I almost feel like we did part one of probably like a four-part series and we probably need to go deeper in you know, how you can help oil and gas companies go ahead and, and take that, that digital step without worrying about risk. So we're going to get you both back on, maybe not this year since the year's almost over, but sometime next year because I would love to finish this conversation. But thank you all both for, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. So folks, we're making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey guys, Alex here with the events on deck for December. We'll be having two OGGN happy hours to kick off 2020. One will be in January in Houston. We have not announced the date yet, but we'll get back with you guys soon on that. And we will be having our first happy hour in Pittsburgh in February 2020, also with the date coming soon. So stay tuned on those. Upcoming events include the Bells of Houston, a masquerade, unmasking the stigma of PTSD. This will take place on December 5th in Houston. The Latin America Oil and Gas Summit is December 5th and 6th in Uruguay. The API Energy Houston Chapter General Meeting will be held on December 11th, 2019 in Houston. The Wildcatters Ball is taking place on February 7th, 2020 in Houston. And lastly, the IPAA Leaders Industry Luncheon will be held on December 11th in Houston. That's all of the events for this month, guys. Be sure to tune in at the beginning of January to see what's happening then. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.